You're listening to the Vineyard Milwaukee podcast. For more information about Vineyard Milwaukee Church, visit vineyardmilwaukee.com. Now here's this week's message. So excited to see people in the room today. Welcome. Happy Easter. I know some of you are watching from home and you've been faithfully watching from home and we are blessed that you're doing that and we welcome you too and uh, we look forward to the day when we can all be together again in person. Um, I was reflecting on Easter Sunday of last year around this time. Do any of you remember where you were Easter Sunday, what you were experiencing? Uh, I'll never forget, we had just started figuring out the whole recording thing and Dave was sitting on this little blue stool in our kitchen with his iPhone, like recording an Easter service. Um, I don't know if you remember the moment you first found out that like something was happening, like this pandemic thing was really happening. I remember at the time I was teaching in my daughter's classroom. She, uh, uh, I was in an MPS school uh, teaching seventh and eighth grade disabled students and um, it was kind of a hard year. It was a really challenging kind of toxic environment. So I would often come home from school and take a little nap and that's what was happening this time, I was, I'd come home from school, it was like Thursday, taking a nap, and I remember I'd already been hearing rumors of schools closing down, but it just still felt like the rumor mill at this point. And I remember getting up from my nap and coming out, and Dave's like, Rebecca, like the NBA just canceled their season, and March Madness has been canceled, and bunches of other things. And it's like oh, my whole system just knew this thing is happening. I don't even know what this thing is. I just knew like something was happening, this feeling in my body. And so what do I do? I'm like, I got to go to Costco, right? Like that just seemed like the wisest thing to do. So I jump in my car. I remember driving to Costco. I get there and the parking lot is jam-packed, like overflowing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, something really is happening. So I get out of my car. I don't think people were even wearing masks then. They were just like rushing to Costco. And I'm like walking in and I see people coming out with carts just overflowing with paper towels and bottles of water, so many bottles of water. And I remember asking some guy if they still had toilet paper because all the women in my classroom, all like my nurses and aides had been stocking up on toilet paper and talking about toilet paper. I thought they were a little nuts, right? And the guy's like, oh no, they've been out of toilet paper for weeks. I'm like, what? I even bought washcloths in Costco for a big pack of washcloths for fear that like there really would be no toilet paper available. Um, but anyway, so I, I remember uh, going to Costco and just grabbing whatever I thought we might need for this weird thing happening. And the next day I went to school for the very last time. And I remember as the day wore on, as we got closer to the end of the school day, rumors of the suburbs shutting down were happening. It was a Friday. And uh, I got home from school, and some point, I think I took another nap, at some point I got up, and uh, Dave was like, MPS has just closed for, I don't remember then, they had a certain date. And as I said, my, of course, I didn't know what was coming, and my current work situation was very challenging. So my first reaction was like euphoric. I remember like running through the house like, extended paid vacation. Did anybody else have an experience like that? Like, yes, I don't know what's happening, but this is awesome. So how long did that euphoria last for you? Yeah, not long for me either. I think I was a few weeks into the pandemic before I was ready to divorce my husband, or more likely he was ready to divorce me. I was like, 
something's, something's not going well here. And I remember going for a long walk down by the lake and um, just some, some unsavory truths about myself were beginning to become more clear. Um, one of those truths is that without uh, regular outside visitors into my home, like my house just doesn't get clean. Uh, another truth is that unless there's a necessity for me to set my alarm in the morning, I just don't see any reason to go to sleep at night. And another very clear unsavory truth uh, was that I'm not always a super nice person. Uh, and so I was going on, on this long walk just with all these realities like of who I am in my face. I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm just seeing some ugliness in my heart. Anyone else experience some ugliness <laughs> kind of come to the surface over the pandemic? Um, so for many of us, the real challenge of the pandemic really set, started to set in a few weeks into the pandemic. Uh, if you live alone, you might have just experienced like unbearable isolation. If you have young children, you might have experienced uh, the exhaustion of having to entertain young children all day without playdates and shopping malls and you know, playgrounds available to you. Or if, you, if you're like me, with school-aged children, um, you might have experienced something like this. I think I, sorry, Ben, I didn't ask permission. <laughs> this is just a classic picture of our pa early pandemic days. Like, how many bowls of ice cream, how many family games can I play to make up for the life as I know it being ripped out from underneath me? And I just remember my very extroverted, ambitious, active, high schooler just kind of settling into like a state of melancholy and my very positive, upbeat, nine-year-old just kind of having a few meltdowns. And if you're like me as a parent, you might have felt that kind of pain and anxiety of watching your kids go through this and, and not being able to fix it and not being able to figure out how to make it better. And of course, we all experience different levels of pain and anxiety personally and obviously globally. Um, different kinds of, as we entered into the long haul of the pandemic, social isolation and there were job issues and interpersonal issues combined with, oh, just nationwide political polarization and protest and upheaval. It has been a year. I think we can all agree on that. It's not been all bad though, right? Like we've had some, some things to really celebrate this year. Even within our Vineyard Milwaukee family, we, uh, early on the pandemic, we had a sweet little wedding in the park. <laughs> and we have had the births of five beautiful babies <laughs> to celebrate. And of course, the precious adoption of two new fur babies into the Vineyard Milwaukee family, Sophie and Millie. So there's been a lot, of, a lot of exciting things that happened this year as well, but beyond the many losses and gains, there have been really deeper, even deeper losses and gains for many of us, haven't there, globally and personally. And for some of you, you might still be discerning what those losses and gains are. You may still be in process of what those losses and gains are. And at the peak of the pandemic, in the midst of all the strife going on, I don't know what happened early on for you or this summer, at what point you might have been like, God, where are you? What are you doing? Uh, how are you in this? What are you trying to teach me? Um, what are you showing me? 
Because if this last year has taught me anything, if it's taught you anything, it's that you are not in control. And then the question is, if we're not in control because we're clearly not, then who is? And if you answer that question, well, it's God, of course, then the second follow-up questions or the third and fourth follow-up questions is, is God good? Does God really love us? Does he really love me? Does he have power? And if he is indeed good and loving and powerful, well, does he have that goodness and love and power toward, to demonstrate toward me, toward my life, toward my kids, toward my marriage, toward my family, toward my circumstances, toward my finances? And this is where the rubber hits the road, doesn't it? This is the deep work of God in seasons of suffering. And so for many of us, myself included, this has been the deep work of God over the course of this year. All of our distractions, our self-sufficiency, our sense of control, all of it was stripped away, and all we had left was God. And so then the question that comes up is, who is that God for you? And this is the question that Jesus asks us today on Easter Sunday. A little over a year into the pandemic, he asks us, who do you say I am? Who is this God for you? Jesus first asked this question to his closest followers and friends as he was getting closer to the end of his life, as he was getting closer to his execution. When he knew that just as our life was dramatically changed this past year, that their life was about to become dramatically changed. Look with me at Matthew 16, uh, verses 13 through 21. It says, when Jesus came... When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things, at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So at some point in the life of all people, we're faced with the same question that Jesus posed to his disciples. Who do you say I am? And I believe that this question comes up over and over for us. Part of the spiritual journey is, again, looking at this question when we face new challenges, new levels of suffering, Jesus says, who do you say I am? And for some of you listening today, you may have no idea. You, you're, you answer honestly, I don't know who, who you are, Jesus. Uh, maybe you're just stumbling upon this feed. Maybe, uh, you know, you just stumbled into church today and you're asking, I don't know, I don't know who you are. Um, you know, you've heard about Jesus but maybe you've never answered that question for yourself. 
And so maybe you, you think, well, maybe you're a prophet or a good teacher, like they said. Um, some of you have grown up in and around church, and so you know the right answer to this question. Uh, you, you know the Sunday school answer. You could fill in on multiple choice tests uh, what the right answer is. You might even have memorized John 3.16. Um, but if Jesus were to look you in the eye and ask you sincerely, how do you think you would today answer that question? Who do you say I am? Because if we really answer that question honestly, it changes things, doesn't it? It changes the trajectory of our life. Because when Jesus paused and asked his closest followers, who now had been with him for years, following him around, watching the things he was doing, as he makes his way toward the cross, when he says, who do you say I am? This doesn't become just like a Sunday school question. This doesn't become like, well, what is everybody else saying? Or what is my tradition or my religion? Like, what's the right answer? No, he's asking in the core of your being, who do you say I am? Because these disciples were about to lose everything. These disciples were about to watch their, this rabbi, this, this man that they love and gave up everything to follow, uh, die uh, a horrific death and be buried. And he knew that they were going to be scattered. Uh, he knew that they were going to lose all the beliefs they carried about who this Messiah was supposed to be and how he was going to find victory for them and um, everything for them was going to be lost. And this is the question, he knew this question would be vitally important when they, what they were about to face. And this is the question Jesus has been asking all of us who, like Peter, could answer without reservation. You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Peter believed this. But for those of you who are familiar with the story, what happened very quickly after he says this, when things became really hard and confusing and disorienting, when the pressure mounted, when Jesus was being crucified, the same Peter who literally just, just hours before Jesus renamed from Simon, he says, uh, you know, at this very moment, he renamed him the rock. And he ends up denying even knowing Jesus or being associated with Jesus a few chapters later. It says in Matthew 26, 31, Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus said, This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the disciples said the same. So when, over the course of this year, did Jesus ask you that question? In a new way, maybe. Who do you say I am? I know, I know one of the times for me, or, or uh, early on in the pandemic for me, when Jesus asked me that question, I was, I'd kind of hit a low point. Uh, my daughter, Abigail, who many of you know has a seizure disorder, had just had a series of very scary seizures where she actually stopped breathing a little bit for a few seconds. We even had to call the squad at one point. And uh, I think those seizures combined with the weirdness of the pandemic just took me out in a way I had not been taken out in a long time. And uh, 
I had just several days of inconsolable crying, which turned into nightmares, which turned into panic attacks that actually lasted for several months. And, and during this time, I knew in a new way that I truly had no other foundation. I had no other anchor. I had nothing solid to hold on to except God. And this God has a name, and it is Jesus. And I remember as I was hanging on to a lifeline, I needed Jesus to look at me and say, Rebecca, who do you say I am? Because like the disciples were about to find out, and like you have or at some point will, the answer to that question becomes incredibly important when he is all you've got. When Jesus died a violent and unjust death, in their fear and their grief, the disciples forgot the answer to that question. Peter forgot that he was on a boat when literally Jesus put his hand up to a storm and told it to shut up and be quiet, and it obeyed him, that the wind and the waves obeyed him. Peter, in his grief and his isolation, forgot that Jesus had told multiple demons to come out of a man and sent them into a herd of pigs and restored this man to his right mind. Peter forgot in his shame and his guilt that Jesus literally told a dead and buried man named Lazarus to come back to life, and he did. When Jesus watched his rabbi, his teacher, his close friend become beaten to a pulp and physically have his body nailed to a tree, he forgot that this rabbi is the Messiah, the son of the living God. And when Jesus died and his body was wrapped up and he was laid in a tomb, he forgot that Jesus had just said that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. In the moments that I was afraid, honestly, that my daughter could die in front of me, I needed Jesus to ask me, who do you say I am? So that I could turn and say, you're good, right? You really are good. You love me, right? You really love me. You really love my daughter. And you have power, right? You have power over seizures. You have power over my circumstances. You have power over death. Because I don't. And if you are all I've got, I need you to be all things. And the good news, the good news for us today on Easter Sunday is that he is, he is all things. Nothing, nothing could stand in the way of the love and the power of Jesus Christ. On his way to the cross, he confronted sin in all its forms. He confronted sickness and the demonic, and he conquered them with a command. And then he conquered our greatest enemy once and for all, death itself. And his victory was made complete three days later when by the power of the Holy Spirit, he was raised back to life again. Look with me at the end of the story. In Matthew 28, it says, After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him, they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. 
Then go quickly and tell the disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Today, if you're in the room with us or you're at home watching this, Jesus asked you this question, who do you say I am? And if your answer is the same as Peter's, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, then that answer carries implications for you, doesn't it? This son of the living God is alive and active around you and inside of you. So what what circumstance, what sin, sickness, demon do you need him to conquer for you today? And if you can't answer that question, if you don't know who Jesus is, the good news is that Jesus invited Peter to follow him before Peter really knew who he was. Peter didn't yet know he was the Messiah, but Peter decided to follow him and get to know him. He decided to develop a friendship with him, a relationship with him. You know that you can start getting to know Jesus. You can develop a relationship with him before you really can emphatically say you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And so I think that's the invitation for you today. Find out. Jesus had said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. This is a divine revelation that came about after Peter began following him around, reading, listening to his words, watching his works, being in his presence. And so we all have to answer this question at some point for ourselves. And so I just encourage you today and invite you today, if you don't know who Jesus is, find out. Start reading his words. Start getting in his presence. Start getting around other people that know him. Find out who he is for yourself. And so what I'd like to do today is just invite us to respond to this question for yourself personally. Who do you say that I am? So I just actually want to take a few moments of silence right now and just have Jesus ask you that question and just see without trying to fill in the blank kind of what bubbles up for you. So we're just going to take a few moments of silence and just ask Jesus, have Jesus ask you, who do you say I am and just see what bubbles up. So what is the invitation from Jesus for you today? If your answer was, I don't know, then I think the invitation from Jesus is, come get to know me. Come find out who I am. Begin a relationship with me. If your answer was like Peter, well, you're the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. But maybe you said, but 
but are you my God? Are you the God over my life, over my circumstances, over my finances, over my kids, over my marriage, over my singleness, over my circumstances, my body? Are you really all things? So in what ways, what parts of your life do you need to remember that, that Jesus is the son of the living God? And so I think the invitation for you today is to invite Jesus to be all things for you in every part of your life. And so following our closing song, I just want to invite uh, those of you who are in the room, if you'd like to respond to receive prayer uh, in the kind of the chairs along the back wall, if you'd like to, uh, after the song ends, if you'd like to head to the back and just receive prayer. If you're one of those people that says, you know, I feel the invitation today to either get to know who Jesus is or I feel like there's a part of my life that bubbled up that Jesus said, I want to be God in this part of your life or this part of my life needs uh, Jesus to conquer something. I'd just like you to come receive prayer today. If there's something say, have you, are you God over this part of my life, over my body, over my future, over my job, we would love to pray for you. And if you wouldn't mind just jotting down on the Connect card, uh, specifically if you feel like, hey, I really want to get to know Jesus more, and i just like to know how to, how to do that, what steps I can take. If you'd be willing to jot that down on the Connect card, and you can just leave it at your table, we'll pick it up at the end. If you're at home watching this, uh, we would love to pray for you for any of those things. And so there's a couple ways you can respond. I think I have a slide for this. Uh, you can email us and let us know, hey, I do want to get to know who Jesus is. I really don't know the answer to that question. Uh, or I really need Jesus to enter into this part of my life. We have a team of people that will be praying for you over that. And we'd love for you to email us. Um, you can also, we have an app you can download if you have an iPhone, and there's a Connect card on that app. Uh, it's called, yep, there's our app, and you can, there's a Connect card. You can let us know who you are, and in the prayer request section, you can write down what your prayer request is. Uh, so please, please let us know. We would love to pray for you in person if you're in the room. We'd love to, for you to come and receive prayer. And if you're at home, we will be praying for you, and we'd love to connect with you. If we can help connect you to, to us and to resources so you can get to know who Jesus is. You know, there's a song we used to sing at Vineyard Columbus a lot that I thought of when I was working on this. Uh, it may be an older song. I don't really know the history of songs in the vineyard, but it's called Be My Everything. I just want to read a few of the lyrics. It says, God, in my living there in my breathing, God in my waking, God in my sleeping, God in my resting, there in my working, God in my thinking, God in my speaking, be my everything, be my everything. God in my hoping, there in my dreaming, God in my watching, God in my waiting, God in my laughing, there in my weeping, God in my hurting, God in my healing, be my everything, be my everything. You are everything. You know, one of the gifts of the pandemic, of having everything stripped away from you, or if this didn't happen now, maybe it's happened other times in your life, 
is that it's there that you can and hopefully will discover that Jesus is everything.